Okay, so now we're finally doing the podcast. Yes, we are. You know? And for those of you who probably don't know, I'm in Kosi Evans. I'm Gilton Cross. And uh, yeah, welcome to the Blue Room podcast. Podcast about movies and music and tons of other good stuff. So what did we talk about for our, our first episode? <laughs> well, um, I mean, it's 2021. Yeah. We talked about this 2020, doing it in 2020. Obviously, a lot of... Uh, <laughs> was not a great year for movies. Yeah. Just put it, that way. it was a quiet year, you know? It was a quiet, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. Um, but there were still a couple good releases, and now it's, you know, everything's a bit opening back up. Mm-hmm. We'll see how long that lasts, of course. But, yeah. you know, like, we got a chance to at least see some... Uh, See some good ones this past year, and even some into last year as well. Yeah. What would you say your favorite movie of 2020 was, even though a lot of movies weren't coming out? Oh, man. Uh, geez. I think it's probably got to be Tenet. Just yeah. I mean, yeah. I, w- I was kind of out of the loop, not going to lie. I mean, I know there was like a lot of digital releases, but I was really out of the loop with in terms of keeping on top of like movie stuff and movie releases, but... Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the first movie I saw in theaters before, like during that year, before like the whole lockdown was um, The Invisible Man, which was with Elizabeth Moss, and that was great. That was pretty good. Um, and then obviously the pandemic hit, and we weren't doing that. And uh, when things started to kind of open back up, I remember seeing uh, me and a buddy went over to uh, one of the theaters uh, and saw Tenet. And it was just great, you know. Christopher Nolan did it again, obviously, but it it was it was just a, a great experience. And then seeing it again at the movie, music box in like their seventy millimeter projector, so it's like a seventy wow. millimeter film with seventy millimeter projector. It's pretty cool. Kind of, it added a bit, you know. I thought it was fun. I I like to pride myself that uh, the first time I saw Tenet, uh, I actually understood it. <laughs> I I because if I, if you draw it in your head. If if the timeline is linear in one direction, and all the turnstiles are doing is just looping it backwards, yeah, it made sense to me right. in, in that let's, sense. Let's uh, wind it back a bit. For those of you who may not have seen it, definitely check it out. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, spoiler alert. Of course, yeah, obviously. So if you if you care about spoilers, then we're going to talk into it right now. But ten, it's about um, what is. David Washington. Is it like it's uh Denzel Washington's son? Yes, yes. But he's and a great actor in his own right. Exactly. Pretty good actor. Um I think the first movie I saw him in was um Black Klansman. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And he did like what 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 else? He was on um Ballers. You know, I know it's a yeah. HBO show. I haven't seen either of those two. Uh they're both pretty good. Okay. At, I saw a couple episodes of Ballers. I haven't seen like the whole thing full through. Mm-hmm. But from what I saw it was pretty good and he was pretty decent in it too. Okay. Um, but yeah, so Tenet follows, uh, it starts off with, uh, David Washington. He is CIA, right? Or yeah, it's definitely CIA. Yes, and he works on with CIA. Some, yes. And they're, you know, trying to, they're in this like opera house in Ukraine. Yeah. So that they, they run a mission. He, he does everything right that he can do, but the mission still fails. Um, you think he dies. But in reality, he's just been uh, incapacitated Incapacitated on the record, on paper and all documents. He's like labeled as dead by the CIA. <laughs> and now he's working on this like below classified, super secret, utmost secrecy project, right. which is Tenet. And right. it's, that's, you know, people from the future are like sending weapons and material back to the past. 
um, and that just kind of kickstarts the whole like movie. Uh, movie. Yeah. yeah, it's great. There's a lot of great visuals there, especially like when the uh, when like all the whole temporal stuff starts happening. Yeah, like a lot of reversing and fast forwarding. It's just wow. Yeah. Um, so it was, but it was definitely one of those ones that's great in a theater. Um, there are obviously a lot of criticisms of it. The fact that it's not the simplest story for some people. It's a very I, I think it's easy, like you, like you mentioned, some people get it right away. Some people will like take like maybe one or two viewings yeah. to, to like, get it. And that was definitely me. Like I loved it the first time, and then I kind of picked apart certain things that I saw, and I was like, oh, this is even cooler now that I understand a bit more oh, about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, definitely one of the th- criticisms I would say is that it has that classic Nolan where he bumps down the uh, dialogue. Yes. And then everything else is just really, like, loud. Or, like, the music is really loud and you can't hear people talking. Oh, my God. The scene with the uh, <laughs> the Outremer yeah. and, the, and the giant boat, loud as hell. They're talking about something. It probably has no meaning whatsoever, but whatever it is, never heard it. Like, right. Didn't hear a single word. Um, I still, like, walked away from the movie. Like, I understood it, like, the meaning and the ending. Um, but whatever they were talking about for that one section, no idea. To right. This day, exactly. No idea. Yeah, exactly. So I agree with that. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like this is, I've heard people criticize Nolan for doing that, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see that sometimes, and then this is like the one movie where it was really at least noticeable to me, yeah. but definitely a fun movie, um, definitely a great movie, check it out, um, but I feel like that's the only two movies, at least I can remember, that came out that mm-hmm. I saw last year. I mean, there's probably tons I saw, or like a bit more, like, uh, I saw The Lighthouse, you know, it came out the year yeah, before previously. Yeah. But, I mean, that came out 2019. I actually saw that this year. Yeah. So I didn't see it last year, but it was that was yeah. that was a really good movie. That came out, well, that, yeah, it came out 2019, or so, I think. Okay. And I didn't get a chance to see it in theaters. I saw it, I think, last Halloween, like, like literally the morning of or something. And I watched some other, I was, like, watching um The Ring, or, like, the Japanese, not The Ring, uh The Grudge. Ju- the Grudge. Ju- okay. Juno, right? Juno, Juan. The yes. actual Japanese original version. So yes, not, it. that's it. So, um, and then after that, I decided, like, okay, put on the White House. You know, it's here. I'll do it. Um, didn't really understand it <laughs> at all. That might have been because it was, like, 2 in the morning when I watched it. Oh, or 12 fair. o'clock. <laughs> and I was just kind of, like, I think I went in really expecting, like, a, like a horror movie with monsters and stuff. Yes. Like a creature foot. And when that didn't show up, I was kind of, like, huh? And then I watched it again with my dad, and I was just like, this is really good. Like, I kind of had, like, this idea where I, I liked it a bit the first time, yeah. but didn't really get it. And then, like, the second time I watched it, I was just like, oh, this is great. You know, watching The Green Knight, um, the progression of the story and, like, some of the ways that how it's told uh, kind of reminded me of The Lighthouse. Yeah. Um, like, I, I, if you ask me to draw, like, the plot lines for both of those movies. Um, I don't know. It wouldn't be the typical, like, you know, hero journey and then descent. It's just, it's so crazy, I feel. Um, and maybe I'm wrong for that, but uh, I definitely think both of them are very similar in the way that their stories are told. Um, and I know you haven't seen Green Green Knight. I have not but, yet. Uh, that just came out this year, too. Yeah, definitely look out for that. Uh, the way they tell the story, it's really, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, so... Watching the White House was great. Um, it's very much, I think, a lot to pick apart from mm-hmm. that. There's like a ton of like imagery there that you could technically be like, "Oh, this is p- 
part of the story and like there's this story happening. Yeah. And the cinematography is great. It's all black and white. And it's actually doing doing a good bit. Uh, looking back into it, I did some research on it, and they actually filmed with like a similar ca- type of camera that would have been around at that time. Wow. So it kind of adds that type of feeling. Like so, it's set in this White House in the what, like maybe early 1900s or something, or maybe like, late 1800s. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And um. It's shot in like black and white, and the shadows I think really add that really adds a lot. There's like a couple of scenes that are kind of really unnerving, mm-hmm. like one of them when um Robert Pattinson's character is like cr- crawling out of the uh uh like fr- you can see him like in the background like coming up through like the ladder yeah, but like the shadows just kind of obscure it, so it looks like this really weird creature or something yeah until he like, comes into focus it's just it's kind of like really uh freaky yeah you know? <laughs> unsettling I would say yeah it's definitely a movie that's more of uh, like a, th- a psychological thriller, not like yes. I would I put it maybe like if like if you go into watching like nobody goes into watching The Shining thinking it's gonna be like oh, a slasher type of flick. Mm-hmm. It's deeper than that, and this is definitely in that same vein of being, uh, yeah. Uh, for <laughs> <laughs> stuff's happening in the background here, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. And I guess so. Talk talk us a bit about what the Green Knight because I know you saw oh, it. Man. I unfortunately saw. I didn't see it. Yeah. So the Green Knight was. Um, it was okay. So it's. Um, I think it's a retelling of a uh, uh, like one of those Canterbury Tale esque stories. Um, I don't know a ton about like the original source uh, information, but going to see it, not knowing what to expect, like having no expectations. Um, I'm a history buff in myself, and I felt like it was just very, very, very true to um, that time period. Um, and I'm not a history professor, but like for my interpretation or not interpretation, but understanding of like how harsh life was during that time, but also how like freeing it was in a way. Like the main mm-hmm. character is like, he's just kind of like this kid. Um, he's a noble kid, uh, so we could probably relate to him a bit more than like maybe the poor people at that time. Um, who were definitely of like more destitute conditions than people nowadays, but kind of being a noble back then is a lot similar to I feel like being a teenager in like uh, uh, a a a city a yeah. city right like exactly in, chi- in Chicago in Chicago yeah <laughs> so it's, it's it's a lot more uh, relatable even though he's like probably in like the point oh one percent of the population of the world at that time, but um he's just kind of this kid you know just kind of gets drunk stumbles around town i think the first few scenes are him just like stumbling around like the castle chasing after like not his girlfriend but some girl he's like really really sweet on um and he like, stumbles into like his mother's like kingdom or whatever or, or quarters i should say um and then you finally meet like the actual king and queen they're just so like frail and like decrepit and and old um and so like this this theme that uh everything is like decaying like everything is kind of like uh, outlived its like its prime. Um, that's really in essence. I feel like what the film is trying to like like convey, um, because the Green Knight himself, like when you actually do see the character, uh, spoiler alert, of course, um, when you see him, he's like he's like made out of like bark. He's like this giant like tree person, um, and essentially what they're what I felt coming out of it was like they're using the color green to just indicate like you know the the cycle of life that that seems like a really huge theme in the movie 
Um, but Dev Patel's character is like, I think, super interesting. Um, when I went in, because it's like he's uh, an Indian person playing this knight in in England, <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, that's cool. How they're just like you know switching the races, like it doesn't really matter. Blah blah blah. That's so interesting. Um, but like, first off, it's like there's actually a ton of like people of color during that time yeah. period. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just that our, our our window into that is through like film. Oh yeah, usually, you know? and that's usually from like a white perspective. Exactly. Like, exactly. There, but yeah, like, I sorry to break up there, but there's I took uh, I took like a African civilization history class this last year, and we talked about like there's tons of people of color yeah. throughout uh, medieval times, you know, like the Moors. Absolutely, the, the Moors were were in we're, um, the Iberian Peninsula for like yeah. hundreds of years. Um, also, there was a Muslim knight uh, in in King Arthur's uh, part of the world. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was a lot more diverse than like has been fed back to us in a way. Right. So I thought that was super interesting for that reason. Um, also, they kind of weave it into the plot uh, in, in some ways. Uh, one of the first scenes with the king and Dev Patel's character, um, the king is telling him like, "Yeah, I really don't know you. You're like my nephew." Um, I know that like this is like towards the end of my reign. I know this giant war has just happened, but uh, I'd like to get to know you a bit more. Like I like to be like friends with you. Yeah. And he's like, "Wow, like, sure." <laughs> yeah, it's like he's super overwhelmed. It's like, yeah. why wouldn't you be? It's it's the king offering you this. Um, but he's really just like this 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 kid, this young adult who's just like plopped into this situation, plopped with all these responsibilities and duties, and it's like. He makes a few choices that like weren't the best for him in the long run, but it's like that's kind of what you do when you're at that age, um, and just kind of coming to grips with that responsibility. I feel is like a huge theme throughout the movie, um, and it's also littered with all these like side stories, which is uh, very very interesting. Some of them kind of just like filter out; they just kind of happen. Um, there's really no like concrete ending or reasoning behind it, hmm. um, and maybe there, you'll find something if you rewatch it, but. Uh, the first time watching it through, it just felt like um, you're being taken from like place to place to place to place. You know the end goal. You know what he's trying to do. Um, but you really have no expectations for what happens when he gets there. Um, yeah, it's like it's not like a, the knight becomes a knight, goes off to fight the dragon. You know he's going to fight the dragon. Like You have no idea what's going to happen. Like Is he going to die? <laughs> uh. Is he going to make it? Is he even going to get there? is he going to turn his back and run at the last moment? Because there are a couple moments in the movie where it's like, he realizes if I just went home right now, nobody would ever know. Yeah. I don't, and it would be so much easier. It would be. And it's like, you sympathize with this character. Like, yeah, you probably should just run home. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what is it really worth it? That's actually pretty, I feel like that's an interesting type of main character to have as yeah. the focus. Because I think a lot, and obviously we all have, we all like the story of like the guy that just goes straight in there and does it and there's tons of stories like that but i feel like there's also it's interesting to hear those see those stories with the protagonist kind of has those doubts you yeah. know has that type of maybe i shouldn't do this or you know maybe i don't want because we all do that you know we've all gone through that yeah you know and that makes it a bit kind of easy to relate to or relatable and, and on top of that it's like kind of seeing like his background his community his life and then also seeing the doubts that he has for like losing that when with death, you know, it like makes his courage like that much more like courageous, right? And that much more like compelling versus like this hero who, um, you may have seen like his sister or his wife 
or maybe his mother, you know, his kids, his kingdom maybe, and he charges off in a battle, risks his life, damn near dies or ends up <laughs> dying. It's like, yeah, that person's very heroic. But there's something about like having that doubt and still like going forward anyway that I feel like is like infinitely stronger um, or maybe just a bit more stronger. But it's just, I don't know. I really sympathize with that. Just having that doubt, but still pushing through it. Um, So yeah, I'm not going to spoil the ending for you because ending is like, it is chef's kiss. It is incredible. There's a scene just before it ends where it's um, his life kind of flashes before his eyes, but it's not his past. It's like what his future could look like. And it's probably my favorite scene in the entire movie. Oh, um, nice. It's worth if you don't enjoy most of the movie. I'd say it's worth just seeing that scene towards the end. Um, All right. Yeah, it's definitely it, it. It was a good movie by far. Okay, cool. Yeah. Not my favorite of the year. I think. I think Dune is probably going to take the cake. Yeah, well, we'll see. A spot for you Dune. know. Yeah, you know. But fingers crossed. It's a really great one. Did his feeling you? He he hasn't let us down yet. He hasn't. I mean, the like, man don't miss. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, the man don't miss. That's. I mean, I tell literally everybody that I talk to. Like, oh, you got to watch Blade Runner 2049. Oh, you got to watch Blade Runner 2049. At this point, I, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's, yeah. it's on you. We're not going to talk about this episode. There's yeah, another yeah, yeah. episode coming because I definitely want to get uh, my mom on board with that because oh, yeah. she's probably watched it more than I have. Like, oh, yeah. Every time like, I'll get home or something or we'll be at home, she's like, hey, I'll be like in my, going in my room doing work. She's like, she knocks on like the wall to get my attention. I'm like, oh, what's up? And she's just like, hey, could you could you put Blade Runner on again? And I'm like, yeah. So <laughs> that's that's it, it's come. So I she's Blade Runner. It's a good movie. Yeah, and it's so, so yeah, so she definitely I think has like, and she'll tell me like, oh yeah, I noticed this thing. I'm like, huh, I didn't really consider that. Yeah. And I'm like, well, when we get this start running, you know, we'll have to when we talk about that because we definitely need to. Yeah. Um, and definitely also people should check out the arrival. That was uh, one of his first movies. Uh, guy's got a good eye. Yeah. Cinematography is like his thing, you know, and yeah. like, yeah, so D- uh, Dune will probably be a good one. I hope uh, so. Yeah. I think what I just saw a couple weeks ago was this horror movie, The Night House. Um, and that was ex- that's it's a cool. I think I was telling you about it before. Um, it's in this kind of new vein of uh, horror movies that kind of use psychological things like trauma to talk about type in right. like the frame of horror like right. get out uh us midsummer us, midsummer yeah um yeah and this one's no different so like it takes place after her husband has committed suicide mm-hmm. and throughout the movie uh it's like she feels this presence in the house yeah and so we find out like um some of her background uh when she was younger because um when she when she was younger she had gotten into this car crash with some friends and almost died and so she has this experience that she lived through and she and it says like there's nothing there because it's just nothingness which no, I mean nobody can relate to and a lot of people just don't want to hear that because that's kind of unsettling but so it's kind of like this whole idea throughout the movie of if stuff is supernaturally happening to mm. her or if it's just like this person going through despair and depression from the loss of her, you know, husband. And she's she's alone going through this. So right. I mean, like that's the thing. She's wow. alone. So you it's just no like she's confirm that reality. Whether, right. She's yeah. alone in her house, you know, and she and she does find out stuff about her husband mm-hmm. that come up. I, I you know, I'll, I mean, should I spoil it? I'll spoil it. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's it's. She finds out stuff about her husband, okay. and 
that kind of you could see it being like a supernatural thing, but you could also see it being as just depression and mental illness still. And that's like one of the best parts of the movie, even the ending, because it kind of like ties back into that too. And yeah, we never really get a clear answer throughout the movie, even at the end, like, is it this or is it that? And But it is a great movie to watch. The cinematography is great. Um, definitely watch it in theaters. Uh, and if... I mean, if you're a horror movie person, definitely watch it for that. There's like one good jump scare in there. That's just it's Don't not. Say that. <laughs> I mean, there's like a lot of couple good scares, like yeah. but there's one like really good executed one. That's just like ah, dude. It's like yeah. Um, and yeah. sound design is definitely that's probably one of the best ways to see it in the theater is because of just the sound design and the mixing in that. Wow. You know, really tied everything together. I think I think it's uh I like that on the topic of horror movies I like that you uh-huh. compared it to uh us and Get Out um and uh Invisible Midsummer. Man oh oh Invisible yeah. Man as well is a similar one and it kind of reminded me of that because it was yeah. this woman going through this you know things and and another thing about that that connected uh, those movies is kind of the importance of like secrets right um if you think about Invisible Man she slowly is like realizing that her husband like is like investing in her owning like uh this invisible technology right uh which i don't think she knew initially when they were like together or married or or i I can't remember if they were married or not but when they were together um in us it's like the family or the people in the area have no idea there's like this subterranean level of the united states (laughs) that is holding copies of them like mirror images um if you think about get out it's like no one in the audience versus the main character has any idea like the true like ancestry and like family family history of yeah. his girlfriend you know right. it's, it's just yeah, it's like exactly. you know a guy like that's <laughs> right. so like think you know a girl you think you know a girl you think you know you think you know a person you know you exactly. think figure it out and it's like turns out there's like this this secret um and also i feel like um, even in midsummer kind of oh yeah exactly great great cor- yeah see you know they go up to this um place was it it's, it's scandinavia it's sweden I'm sweden yeah i think it is sweden and yeah, and he, I think he tells them like, "Oh, it's just like this. Our town does this little uh, type of midsummer event, exactly. and it ends up being so much more um, insidious than that." Yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, yeah, so again, it's another secret, you know. That's right. Just, yeah, and this it, one's built on that too, not to that extent, mm-hmm. but still, it's just kind of like keeping secrets from other people. Yeah, and and it, it, it works in this movie because it's also like, yeah, also in terms of uh, certain secrets, like in terms of like mental things, you know. Yeah. depression some people keep that away from others loved ones because they don't want them to get hurt yeah very true and in that same vein of like horror movies too i um hot take i don't think that the um the the krasinski the jim krasinski uh um, oh a quiet place a quiet place i don't think they're horror movies interesting i, I w- my, my hot take is that they're kind of like a new genre of socially uplifting anti-paranoia um, happy propaganda. Okay, I want to hear this. You yeah. know, because have you seen the second one? Yeah, I did. I was. I mean, it was okay. I didn't mind it. It was different than the first one. Yeah, but it's like the first one and the second one. Like, I like if you know Jim Krasinski, like he has that like channel on YouTube where it's oh, like yeah. all good news. It's like here's the good news today because like of course the news like profits off of like showing you like awful things that yeah, happen. Yeah. You know, but it's like his movies like even though it's like a horror movie, even though there's these terrible things going on in the world around them, it's like 
when they get to the island, spoiler, of course, for the, the second fight. <laughs> Honestly, so, okay. When they get to the island, you yeah. know, they just, uh, they run into these people. And my first thought from every horror movie I've ever seen is like, these people are going to want to kill them. They're going to want to take their stuff. They're going to imprison them. Um, but they're just like, hey, do you need something to eat? Like, are you okay? How did you get here? Blah, blah, blah. Like, super compassionate. Um, and maybe there are more horror movies like this, but it's not just that one scene. It's like throughout the movie, there's like the, you seeing the strength of community, the strength right. of like knowing your neighbor, the strength of like compassion and generosity. Sometimes it's just unconditional. You know, you have no attachments to these people, but you give them what you have and you get them to safety. You risk your lives for complete strangers. Exactly. And um, it's, so like, I always feel leaving the movie, I- even if there wasn't that, that super, super, wholesome uplifting ending like you still leave with like a good feeling about uh yourself and i guess i guess human beings because you're seeing that like you know compassionate side that exists right that is a good point i definitely think that and now i mean you wording in that way Mm -hmm. is definitely kind of like okay i can definitely see that because right i completely forgotten that he did do that channel last year like some good news so it kind of fits in that way yeah and i love i love i love that that twist on on media that i feel like is rare it, I, w- yeah. I would argue right no i feel like there and it's been talked about i think forever i mean remember that the whole term if it bleeds it leads you know mm. It, mm. These, these are things that obviously i feel like you know like people like obviously they push this too and, and yeah. also like people want to see it too a bit yeah like why do you go on the internet and, like search up some like some crazy video of some like gruesome thing yeah you know it's like don't look at this but you know, people right. Everyone wants kid. to touch that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think there's like this type of. Um, I'm not sure the right word explaining it. Like because there's not like an experience, or like people can't like experience that or haven't. Mm-hmm. There's this type of like wanting to try and experience it. I think we were talking about this briefly uh, at your at your party yesterday <laughs> last night. Yeah. So <laughs> so and Kosi threw a party. Um, and it was I was a talking party. to, it was chill. yeah, so, it, was, it was a chill party. If anybody's been to my New Year's Eve party, it was not like that <laughs> at all. <laughs> Definitely not like the last one. <laughs> so, so I'm, <laughs> so I'm talking to, to two of the guests, you know, I'm talking to them and we're talking about why there's this like new, maybe it's not new, but this fascination with true crime. Mm. And it's kind of like, it's not schadenfreude, but it's like this like seeing these things happen in real life being documented um is just interesting and it's like the more gruesome the more awful the better um but i I don't think it's necessarily like you have to see um the the awful things that human beings are, are capable of to get that same like conflict uh high because in the end of it, I think it's like a, a quest for a conflict, you know, in our media, that, yeah. you know, like you want to see these, 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 uh, you want it. Yeah. Yeah. You want to see the clashes, conflict. the clashes. Exactly. You want to see that conflict. That's what you're looking out when you see an action movie or yeah. drama, you know, or whatever it is. And it never has to be physical, but there has to be some form of conflict, some fire. Um, and what these movies and why I don't think they're like necessarily like horror is that they capture that conflict. They capture that fear, but it's never with, um, the externality of like people are always bad don't trust anybody always watch your back um because they have every reason to watch their back but it's like uh i don't know that the characters feel stronger okay they i don't mean, feel weak i would still die that's why i would classify it as horror good horror because there's 
a lot of horror movies I think that go throughout like have these kind of like deeper things on top of them if you pull like away a bit of layers and right. some of those are usually like ones that are the best you know that have this type of like they're paralleling something yeah um i feel like and even some of the movies that if you might on its head be kind of like a simple like good and maybe a simpler one but when you look deeper it's just like okay this is kind of like at the time like let's talk about i mean this is like a whole month before halloween but still um the thing 1982 um john carpenter's uh, great movie. Special effects are amazing. Um, it came out also around the time of the Cold War. Yeah. You know, and it's like idea of mistrusting who, you know, like somebody else in there that's not who they say they are. Mm-hmm. You know? And so having that type of layer to it kind of gives it a bit of like, a, oh, this is an interesting type of view of it, you know, yeah. like a movie. Yeah. Looking through that movie um, or looking at that movie through the eyes of when it came out, um, it's definitely very, very interesting. Right. Um, and I'm excited to kind of revisit some of the movies that are coming out now, um, especially in, like, 2020 and going forward. Yeah. And looking at it through the eyes of, like, someone in that era or in that year, you exactly. know? Um, and I, I would push that probably the reason you see, like, these types of, like, added sequels to, like, a movie from, like, the 80s or something mm-hmm. and why it just doesn't work now or they try to reboot it, it just it doesn't have that same type of... Or like whenever, whenever the, some other movie came out, it just doesn't have that type of connection to the externalities that were going on at the time. You know, you don't have that. It's not the same. Two thousand twenty-one, yeah. or like any of the two thousands, are not the same as the eighties. On, on a more cosmetic level, what I really liked about Blade Runner twenty forty nine, we're not going to talk about uh, <laughs> that's that another, too much. Yeah, but what I really liked about it on a cosmetic level is how they still kept the uh, the feeling and the alternate history. Um, because when the last one came out, the Soviet Union was still around. Yeah. And so you still see, like, Soviet, like, imagery in the movie. Yeah, Because exactly. they don't know that it falls in, like, 10 years or 20 years, you know? Yeah, there's, yeah and there's tons, like, exactly. in there, like Pan Am. Pan Am. Atari. Uh, Atari, you know? <laughs> exactly. Atari signs. Are, it, it, and it's, it's they, they found a way to put it in the movie without making it, like, a joke. Yeah. Which on its face is, like, hilarious, the fact that Atari so- suddenly just comes back and is, like, profitable enough to have a giant fucking sign in los angeles <laughs> exactly. you know? uh, I, and i would also say like one of the things that kind of worked um is obviously i think a lot of people point to like the changes in architecture and stuff mm-hmm. and like the setting of the city yeah but i think if you look at kind of like now how the certain c- how cities are built like just the architectural nature of like a lot of buildings being built now is definitely different than how you know like maybe you'd have more like ar- beautiful buildings being built in the 80s and stuff yeah and now you just have these kind of like glass slabs that are just boring and i think you see that in Blade Runner 2049 too Mm -hmm. and i'm not sure if that was on purpose but it kind of also helped kind of show this like gap in time like this is all look at what's changed yeah look at you know it's still like a really shitty city to live in but it's just like wow look at it's like we have that same architectural like change as well everything is just kind of like the sameness you know but so i know we, we could i think we could talk like maybe tons of episodes on that just alone cinematography the soundtrack i mean i t- like i tell everybody that was like the movie the, the movie that got me back into photography and oh, yeah. like started like literally my oh, yeah. <laughs> hobby now so but yeah um, so I'm definitely excited for Dune. 
coming out. Man, I've I've been thinking about it so much and like how it how it connects to the time we're going through now. Um, and it's definitely like if you listen to any of the promotionals, you know how they have like the gospel tracks in there. Yeah. Um, I think I remember seeing an interview. Um, maybe not an interview. I read somewhere maybe. Maybe I just came up with this thought and I'm attributing it to something <laughs> else. Um, but it's like the idea of Dune being like a gospel more than a like a, I don't know, a hero's journey. And maybe there is a hero's journey in, in the gospel. Damn. I don't know. I've never read it. Um, but just this idea that it's like this super religious like telling of like a Messiah coming. It is. Which it is. Yeah. Like if you've read, I, well, you're about to read the book. I've read yeah. it. And even I think the original movie kind of has this. If you look at it, it kind of has that. There's like a lot of religious, like se- like people, like you know, sex and things like that. Yeah. And it's just like wow, you know, like prophecies and all these types of things. Yeah, and I, I wonder how they'll find a way to make it, um, not really maybe relate, but also just like, like how will this have like meaning if you have no religion? You know, because I feel like nowadays, like religion is so polarized you're either like you know super into it um or you're super not um and there definitely are people in the middle but it's like young people definitely go to church a lot less than they did 20 years ago right um people in other countries definitely believe in their separate religions a lot less than 20 years ago um that margin of people who may have always been uh not anti-religion but like atheists or agnostic at least they're willing to admit it a lot more than they were 20 years ago. Right. So even if, like, it hasn't changed in 20 years, it's becoming more and more acceptable to, like, be transparent about it. Um, and so I maybe I'll get more out of it because I won't look at it like, oh, this is blasphemy. <laughs> They're clearly mimicking Jesus. But it's like, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see, like, how I walk out of the theater um, after seeing it, like, yeah. what I, how I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think... Because I think the only reason the, how I got into Dune was pretty much um, through the David Lynch version. Yeah, the, uh, same the movie. And same. I don't care what other people say. I honestly, maybe it's just because I grew up with it. But yeah, we watched it all the time on VHS because that's what we had. Um, I still love it, you know. So I still, it still has a special place in my heart. I know yeah. a lot of people are like, ah, oh, it's too different from the book, and I'm like, it's still pretty good. Um, it's a digestible introduction to the universe, yeah, I would argue. Yeah, exactly. And um, so we'd always like, you know, like quote lines from it, like "Father, the sleeper has awakened" and stuff like that. <laughs> the spice must flow. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The spice exactly. <laughs> but it was, it was cool. I remember like I, talking to my mom. One of the things I picked out about it, and I have to, I want to read the book again when you're done with it. Yeah. And interested to watch it now too because of that. Just even the original now. Um, I remember when I was younger, we had watched it, and I was just like, it's kind of similar to, it seems like a kind of like similar, like it's written before like the whole, our involvement in the Middle East, but if you look at that, mm-hmm. there's this, Arrakis mm-hmm. is the desert planet, and the spice is pretty much this, um, this resource, resource that machines, their ships, everything runs off it, and it's, mm-hmm. it's highly valuable. Yeah. And you look at that, and it's just like, look at the Middle East, and oil too, you yeah. know? I remember being putting, like looking at that and being like, "Huh, that's it." Like you can see that type of. I mean, if you look at the names, it's it's it's, it's super on the nose, yeah. yeah. Like Muad'Dib, just these like, yeah, just the phonetics. Exactly. Um, and something it, that I didn't realize, um, and maybe this is false, but 
when I watched it, I definitely watched it after, you know, I watched Star Wars. I grew up loving Star Wars. <laughs> and I saw all these parallels. I'm like, wow, like Desert Planet, you know, a, a revolution starting from a guy who grew up on this desert planet um, against these, like, evil, like, imperial forces. Um, I was like, wow, they took a lot of this from Star Wars. But maybe George Lucas was like, oh, that's a really good idea. Um, and it's really fitting <laughs> for, <laughs> well, you know. Uh, I mean, it, it th- yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because – I mean, I told you about the other podcast. Like David Lynch was originally selected to uh, direct um, the uh, uh, the sixth Star Wars episode, yeah. Return of the Jedi. But yeah. he decided to do Dune instead. And personally, I think it was a good decision. I know I yeah, liked we his got take. Dune out of it. You yeah, know? I liked it. Yeah, but yeah, no, I think it's just kind of though. It's just one of those. There's a lot of things that went into the original inspiration of like star wars like yeah. the first one i still like going back to because it's so much just like a legitimate fantasy movie just takes place in space you got space wizards a space dark lord you got a fortress with uh a princess and the guy the hero of the day has a sword and he has to go save her yeah like there you go yeah and i, I would s- something that like is like always funny to me about star wars is like how it's consumed at least in the west as like we're all Luke Skywalker, <laughs> you know, like we, we're, we're all Luke Skywalker. And it's like, no, we're, we're stormtroopers. Yeah. <laughs> like we are definitely the empire in, in the, in the story. Yeah. Um, there's a reason they all have like British accents. Um, there's a reason that, you know, Darth Vader and the stormtroopers outfits were modeled off their like Imperial Jap- Japan, uh, samurai, you know, um, there's a reason they're called stormtroopers. There's a reason they're called stormtroopers. Exactly. It's like, it's like the, the, we are we are the empire. Yeah. <laughs> we are not like the rebellion. Um, so that was always like interesting to me, and maybe not as a kid because I didn't pick up on that. I thought yeah. I was Luke Skywalker too, but um, definitely now. And I think the new ones kind of touch on that a bit more, and maybe that's why people like them a bit less. Um, at least the Last Jedi, where they're just like, yeah, both sides are buying weapons for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Rogue One, it's like, yeah, we did a lot of shady things just to uh, get by right. uh, and to be acceptable. Um. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do think it's really one of the things that a lot of the newer movies have shown is this type of gritty reality of like war. Like yeah. it's not just like ah yeah, we're gonna win and or yeah. it's like oh we're down our luck and just like the, at the, the last save. It's just like like with going back to Rogue One. It's like no, there's a lot of stuff that gets you know done that's not. It's messy. You yeah, know? it's not absolutely clean. You know, absolutely. There's no way you can. It's like it's like uh, that Tolstoy quote I have. Yeah, you know? war is so stifling and and unjust that all those who uh, perform it must uh, stifle their voice of consciousness. Yeah. Consciousness within yeah. themselves. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's that's pretty much uh, that's it. the paraphrase uh, of that. Yeah, yeah, the Cliff Notes version, of course. I mean, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's kind of showing this type of it's showing a lot more of the people like on the ground, like fighting. You know, so mm-hmm. deaths like. Sometimes the soldiers, that's like you'll hear people like actually scream and things yeah. and stuff. It's just like, whoa, I don't remember any of the original Star Wars doing this. Maybe the comics did. I never really got into that. but Yeah, I mean, maybe a couple did. Um, I think something that the comics touch on that the movies never did, or even the media, the visual media, um, like in the shows and whatnot, including that, never really did. Um, it's like how they handle grief. Um because if you think about the first one, uh, and by the first one I mean a New Hope, yeah, uh, in the New Hope, um, like Luke has like never seen his some of his friends before after they went to a uh, Stormtrooper Academy, you know, to fly Tie Fighters, 
and he finds out they actually jump ship and join the rebellion and he joins them on this like really big mission to destroy the death star and i'm pretty sure all of them die <laughs> yeah. like they, they die on that trench run and like you never really see him like grapple with that his childhood friends like dying Gone. on his first mission you know exactly um and like even in the the prequels like you have anakin who's like yeah i keep having these thoughts of like someone dying and every time i have them they actually die can you help me like deal with this grief and this loss and they're just like yeah you should just get like used to it yeah it's, it's gonna like, happen you know get, like purge yourself of, of emotion you should be happy about this like they're about to die you should you should yeah, find a way like, to be happy about this yeah, it's stop like, feeling emotions it's like well, you took him when he was already a kid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that, I think that was one of the things about, that I did like that about, I think my my uh, criticism of The Last Jedi mm-hmm. was that it wasn't that it was too different. It just that it didn't really commit to those differences. Yes. I felt like if they had just shown those differences and like pushed that and be like, yeah, it's, this is different. But like, yeah, the Jedi were flawed. Mm-hmm. You know, that was totally true like if you watch the prequels or even like anything any of the original ones you've seen that you know yeah. like they led to anakin being anakin skywalker yeah absolutely and they're a part of that yeah exactly so i think it would have been that's like i think one of the wasted opportunities there is just to like for like it would have been interesting to see like both the sith and the jedi fall and maybe something come out of, of that yeah that's neither you know that blends kind of this light and dark like yeah. i know the comics talk about gray jedi and you know or gray force users and i'm mm-hmm. like that would have been an interesting thing yeah you know like maybe luke isn't a hasn't come back as a jedi as something different he's renounced like being a jedi still still wanted to champion good but yeah i didn't mind like that luke was you know on this island i mean he feels that he literally just caused his uh nephew to um commit mass genocide on five different planets yeah. so yeah i'd probably be Sitting on some uh, <laughs> some place alone myself, just being like, "Man, dude, I messed up." Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not gonna. Like, I, I I don't mind that characterization. I just feel that there was a lot of things that it seemed like they weren't willing to go too far in showing like this and making it more different. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like every time it kind of like started stepping in that direction, it would c- quickly turn around. And go back into safer, t- like shower waters. I see. It wouldn't I go see. too deep. Yeah. And you know, I think like that's part. Like, a lot of it's kind of just like um, that risk. There's like it is a risky thing to do. You're taking an already known property and trying, and that people have connections to, uh, whether you think they're valid or invalid. I mean, you look at how many people reacted negatively, anyways, to the Last Jedi and being like, they ruined my childhood. And I'm like a movie man yeah like calm down hey, but f- fear is fear is the mind killer you know it's <laughs> exactly like, if, if you if you don't take those risks it's like what are you even doing at that point yeah but you i know? mean that's easy i think for i mean obviously it's not easy I and mean, it's easy for it's easy for me and you to talk about that but i don't I, have any financial stake in exactly. it of course yeah and, and obviously there my retirement isn't tied to you know the performance of the if, new movies right if it was maybe an independent movie then sure yeah like, they, they do those kind of stuff all the time it's harder to fund though of course because of that uh, i think gareth edwards did a excellent job of pushing it uh into a very very gritty territory removing the jedi completely there are no force users besides Darth Vader in that movie. Right, force it's, sensitive guy, but not force. Right, sensitive. right, sure, force sensitive. He he wasn't a Jedi. He didn't have a lightsaber. Yeah. You know, these are common things that you ex- accept. He never got his expect. Jedi card. 
exactly. <laughs> you expect all these things from a Star Wars movie, and they took it so far left. Um, and it was a fucking smash. It's my favorite Star Wars movie. Yeah, Nothing it's definitely tops Rogue One. You know. Yeah, I definitely liked it, and um. But yeah, I think yeah that exactly. But I think like one of the things is it's not because it's not like a Star Wars. It doesn't have that episode number. It's like Star Wars story. Sure. And like even like looking at some of their like Clone Wars and stuff like that, and the stuff that's like the smaller type of yeah um, side stories. I would say they usually trying to get a bit more like interesting stories out of that than say the main ones. Um, yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, like obviously, if you're Disney, you just bought what Star and you bought stars for. Four billion dollars was it? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of money, and um, it's pretty much like it's not. I'm not saying it's bad, but none of the Star Wars movies were ever like deep movies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I consider like the, you know, like Wendy's. It's good, and maybe even better than Wendy's, but it's still like good. Like you enjoy it, but it's nothing. But at the end of the day, it's like it's just the same. Yeah. You know, and so you're not gonna like risk. Wendy's isn't gonna start putting like. Like getting gourmet with their like burgers, you know that's not what people go to. They could, you know. They could, you know. And I, I'd actually buy it if they did. Yeah, you know? I'd probably go there a bit more. Exactly. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Carlo just went off. We're good, but <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's just like that's the business side of it, but like from the creative, from the consumer standpoint, it's like the more risk they take, the the better for me. Yeah, I mean, you know? but also me and you are like that, and there's a lot of people I feel like that are really angry fan that could be really angry i'm not saying their point is valid of course i'm just saying that look at like how many people will review bomb just movies that either they really like like it's kind of weird actually how i feel like they can't even be part of the conversation you know if if but unfortunately they are because they insert themselves like yeah especially like but i feel like a lot of that's mainly online that take they take it to like another level. Like even the Zack like what the with D C the Zack Snyder stuff with the Justice League. Sure. And I was just like it's I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. I'm like act, people are acting like this ruined their whole year that he that it got real that uh the Zack Snyder cut wasn't released or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like it And to be frank, it's 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 honestly it's their interaction with the media that leads to it's it's a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, it because is. Because if if you're if you're so uh, toxic, and I can't even find a different word, if you're so toxic towards the people who are actually like working on this project, um, no one can work under those conditions and perform adequately. And the amount of people that can will refuse to. Because why? Right. Why take up Star Wars if if no matter what you do with it, no matter how much time you spend away from your kids working on this project everyone's going to hate it and they're yeah. going to ruin your lives and the people you love's lives. It's like, just make Dune. Yeah. I <laughs> you think know? just, just make, uh, just make yeah. another movie. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, I think that's one of, um, there's this guy on YouTube who does like, um, he's, uh, his, uh, channel is called Trek expertise. He does like a lot of cool video analysis stuff on like Star Trek and stuff, but also other sci-fi every now and sure. then. And he did one about the rise of toxic fandom. Yeah. And, just in, in general, not just Star Trek as a deal, but obviously Star Wars and all these other properties. Mm-hmm. And he t- kind of mentioned about how these, like Marvel and Star Wars and Star Trek, used to be kind of like seen as these, you know, like nerdy things where you'd get pretty much kind of ridiculed. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, 
if you showed any type of interest in that type of stuff. I remember. <laughs> yeah. And so now these things are like these huge properties that flock get millions of people, billions of people yeah. to watch them and yeah. you know studios and people like that like now imagine going back to like the 90s or even the 80s when Marvel was just like they had like a comic books. It was like a mess in comic books. They had yeah. like a couple of movies that were all bad and they were about to go bankrupt and just you tell somebody then like hey this is going to be like a huge industry like people mm-hmm. are going to like actors and directors are going to be willing to be like put me on a Marvel movie now like look at the it's insane now you know but 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 I mean he was talking about how like it's had this it's became this huge thing of like where people have just come in not not come in but like everybody can appreciate it now right and that makes some people that might have been you know had to deal with this type of like ridicule or stuff being like well now they're ruining it you know this type of like now like you you were part of like your own little sect you thought you were like in this I'm kind of wording it wrong but um I'm just trying to say I, 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 you you're if you're a Star Trek fan or a Star Wars fan that was it that like that was your defining thing that set you apart from say other people for example and then now other people are also enjoying being able to be like hey this is actually enjoyable and part of you is just kind of like reacts defensively to that because that's what you have like mm-hmm. that's how you've defined yourself for so long I think the and I feel like those are the people that are kind of making this toxic fandom part of some of those people yeah yeah and I think to add on to that um there's this like theory um it's like a political science theory it's an exit voice loyalty it's like you have three options uh when you something happens uh in your, in your political system you're at a business you're you're buying groceries and you see something you don't like you can like voice your opinion uh you can stay loyal to the brand or you could exit and choose something else um i do think what makes a toxic fanboy is an overvalue in the voice yeah um <laughs> It's, it's just this idea that something exists in this world um, that you don't like and that you can use your voice to change it, right. um, which in a political sense, you know, makes 100% sense. But in the idea of uh, a public, like, art property, um, it's as ridiculous as me painting a circle and people, like, screaming in, in, in a chorus. Um <laughs> At the way I drew the circle, and the circle has no connection to to politics or to power or to policy. It is purely a circle. It is it is it is purely, um, not it is inoffensive art. It is as inoffensive as possible, which is what Star Wars and the Marvel properties I would argue are, yeah. um, because no one is protesting them because they're being offended by them. They're protesting them simply because they don't like them and they have an overvaluation, and they're in their own voice in this particular segment, and it's. It's it's startling for sure, um, and it's annoying. Uh, I, I would I would have to say at, at the very most, uh, or at the very least, actually, because um, it just takes up so much space. You yeah. know, it takes I, up so much time. It's it's like this huge like dump we all have to look at and then walk around and <laughs> how are we going to clean this up? You know, it's like we didn't put it here, <laughs> but we got to deal with it. You know, exactly. <laughs> it, I mean, I think that probably one of the best ways is just never voice about it. Like if. Online, it's never it's just, worth it. it it's never know? worth it online to like get into these intricate debates because either yeah. if you don't like it, you'll have people being like, "Oh, you're fucking toxic fan." Like a right. toxic fan's like, "No, I actually have valid criticism." Yeah. Vice versa, if you end up liking it, and then you just get attacked either way. So yeah. I mean, just keep it small. I mean, it, the internet just 
that's another story yeah. for another day but just it's it's a bane it's like it's it's a blessing and a curse really in, in their defense it's like i'm not the thought police you know it's like right. if you if you don't share opinions and someone else doesn't share these opinions um and you agree and you like to talk about it you'd like to ha- have a, a anti-podcast for this podcast per se oh, please it's, do. it's like yeah go for it like go crazy um but the idea that someone else enjoying something is like impacts your enjoyment the idea that some people think this is like really good and trying to spite them is exactly. like that's where the overvaluation of voice goes yeah. you know what i mean a perfect example uh i saw so this guy talking about it online he was um it was about star wars right and some guy was just like i you know why is it that big of a deal it's like it's just a movie you know and this other guy replied it's like no because because of their enjoyment now it's been ruined because they like the new trilogy, that means that's what we're gonna get. Yeah, and so it's their fault. It's so you like, get a mix of like flawed like reasoning and, and, and logic like, to it. Okay, yeah. but it's like I, okay, maybe so. I mean, no, I mean, I, I maybe they Not like it. And that's what they're gonna make. But is that really that big of a deal? Like, I'm at, look, <laughs> is that the biggest issue? Like, if the biggest issue in your life is that Star Wars is going downhill, yeah. I doubt that's the only issue in your life. Yeah. yeah. Either. Or maybe it is. You know? Maybe it is. You're just I mean, oh, yeah. cut or, off from or you're human just really suffering. Young and you know? haven't grown up yet. Uh, maybe. It, which is, I think there's a maybe. lot of people online that are just, like, you look at some of these discussions, it's like, oh, this guy's a teenager, of course, mm-hmm. you know. And then he matures and they'll get a job and have to do taxes. and. Uh. Yeah, yeah. You, you would hope the people that are very upset about, about the fictional empire in Star Wars would actually, like, say something about the real empire in the real world but it, uh. it never goes that far <laughs> exactly I, I doubt they're quite as loud well uh, no they're usually the ones that are actually uh the people that are like, complaining about stuff about star wars are usually the ones that are also just for the empire yeah too. exactly like, yeah they're just that, part of it it's cool with it yeah it's i think what was it like we're around the, the whole last jedi and stuff with people talking about like oh it's been social justice and it's just like what what does they, that even mean it's like what there's <laughs> There's a woman, there's woman. a black guy, <laughs> and a Guatemalan guy. There's the three, like, because the three new heroes are, like, um, you know, minorities. Yeah. Whoop, big whoop. Whoop the fucking dude. And they, they butchered they butchered John Boyega. They butchered Finn's story yeah. just to placate them, and it didn't even work. Um, right. So le- lesson for uh, screenwriters of the future. Yeah. Um, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna add some diversity, just commit to it because yeah. the minute you add a drop into it, you're gonna piss off the people that you're most afraid of exactly. pissing off. So although that was one of the, the things, whole hog, you know, that was one of the things I did like going back to Tenet. That was one of the things cool. Yes, the weed was like this black guy, and everyone else was white, and it was just well, except for like you know, uh, the the lady from India. Oh yeah, the weapon stealer. Weapon yeah. stealer. But yeah, it's just like he's black, and it just works. He's like a black James Bond. Yeah, and. It doesn't really like the story doesn't focus on it. Right. He's just a great guy at his job. Yeah. He's just there. He's just there. And it's just like of course and looking back on that, I'm hoping that a lot more movies I mean, it's probably gonna take a while still. Yeah. But I mean Green Knight did it in a very interesting way. Right. Um I I I mean the Matrix, when I was growing up, I, I remember watching the Matrix for the second time, the series, like as a kid, and I was like, you know what? All these people are like not white. Or some of them, it was just a very, oh, very yeah. diverse cast. It looked like a, a color palette of humanity because um, you had all these different kinds of people. And they never really talked about it because it didn't really matter. And, of course, it didn't really matter. They're, they're fighting they're machines. They're people. They're human yeah. beings. Um, even in the positions of power, like a lot of them were women. A lot of them were black. A lot of them were just not white people. Um, and so I feel like 
more casting like that in all movies is like like why not right why can't you they did it in like the early 2000s why can't you do it now exactly you know and it's, like, <laughs> it's great exactly so yeah exactly like Tenet it's just like it doesn't matter he's good at his job yeah. you know he happens to be black but he's great at his job absolutely yeah you know, he's the best and so yeah hopefully I mean and going back to that Green Knight I haven't seen it but I definitely want to from your uh, how you talked about it just now like when you mentioned it already mm-hmm. I was just like yeah I want to see it and then you just talked about it and I was just like okay now I really want to see it so yeah um, but yeah so hopefully we get to see that and that should have been how it was in Star Wars but you know they missed their chance. Hey, you know? hey, never say never. Maybe they could, you know, grow a backbone. Yeah. Um, at least they're doing with the, with the Marvel properties. They they put out Black Panther. Shang Chi came out yesterday. Yeah, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, Falcon and the Winter you Soldier. Know, definitely went into some territory. I was just like I didn't even think they were gonna go into, but they went there. Man, and I was just like, wow. The fact that in a Disney movie, Killmonger said, "Bury me in the ocean with my ancestors," because they knew death was better than bondage. I was that's, just like, that's Holy. in a Disney movie. I know a Disney movie. Like, I know, I'm insane. Just, yeah, so, and I mean that's that's like that's like the least they could do, you know, to Obviously, to talk yeah. about history and whatnot. Um, the sun never sets in the Wakandan Empire, like a clear allegory to the the British Empire right. of the 1800s. Um, yeah, so if they can do it with Marvel. I mean, maybe that's just Kevin Feige um, pushing that. Or not pushing that, but just uh, maybe permitting it a bit more. I think they def- could do it. With, they could do it with Star Wars because th- all that fan base they were scared of losing. They're gonna watch it no matter what. Uh, they're gonna show up because yeah. it's Star Wars. I just want to know like a bit, unless it might be just behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. I know um, a lot of this stuff that we're getting now from Marvel is because they got out of the from Bob, uh, not Bob Iger, but Ike Perlmutter. Okay. Um, and with I'm not, and it feels like you know, like this, like um. Marvel was doing its own thing, and then Disney bought them. Mm-hmm. And where Star Wars was like a, obviously a very huge franchise, I feel like Disney yeah. was a bit more just like, let's do this, yeah, so that everyone can benefit. I think, Cause, yeah, because I feel like um, it's a lot like of people you, you buy a bakery and you just tell them keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, like they bought Star Wars as a bakery, and they're like yeah. just keep making the same product, and it's like that's kind of not what it is. Well, they it was more like. With um, Marvel, they gave they were like, keep making what you're doing, and then they'd also like give like more flour. Or, yeah, like, this guy like with Ike Perlmutter with Kevin Feige, they butted heads a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, then when Kevin Feige made Marvel like made Marvel Studios more independent, yeah, you know he talked to I, uh, Bob Iger, who was the CEO of Disney at the time, and yeah, and now and now we started getting like really good movies, you know, like um, because he was the one that was just, he was the one that was really. Um, Ike was like the one that was pretty much like yeah. uh, just like a huge uh, uh, you know chokehold on the on the whole thing and yeah. creativity. Um, a lot of like a, like early Marvel was hard to get a lot of actors to come back mm-hmm. because he was just a cheapskate mm-hmm. and he was the one that was like oh you know people don't want to see like a all woman like a woman superhero movie or a black superhero movie and yeah now we have them and they did great you know yeah they did they probably did the highest of. Uh, <laughs> The uh, the individual hero movies, I think they did pretty well. At least Black Panther, I know. Yeah. And I think they just hired um, the guy who he's always wearing a cowboy hat. He worked on uh, on uh, Clone Wars with uh, George Lucas. Okay. I think he's been hired by Disney to be like the Kevin Feige for Star Wars. For Star Wars. So yeah. maybe in the future we can see him like pushing back more on like the industry and saying yeah. like, hey, give me some room to breathe, give me some room to be creative. Um, I definitely feel like I remember at some point. I know a lot of people like get on. Um, Who's the CEO of Lucas Lucas Films now? 
what's his name? See, uh, did, see, Kathleen Kennedy? Kathleen Kennedy, yeah. Um, Is that it? Yeah, I think that's the CEO. Yeah, and like uh, J.J. Abrams, a lot of people get on them. But mm-hmm. I feel like when the Force before the Force Awakens came out, they were push, trying to push Disney to say like we want to kind of get a bit more of we need a bit more like uh, time to work on this, mm-hmm. you know, to flesh this more out. Right. And Disney was, of course, just like, well, no, we want this now. We just yeah. we just spent a lot of money on this. We want to see our returns. Yeah. So they negotiated for dis like December being like the release of that, and it's just like it's kind of insane like okay what if they had gone with the idea and like gone with them and set and been like yeah we'll give you a bit more time to yeah. work on this and i'd be interested to see their finished product you know right you know it's Who such knows? a shame because it's like they're they're okay movies i really love the cast i think i love the cast of this new trilogy more than any of the previous trilogies like i like i love like padme and, and anakin and <laughs> and and obi-wan who everyone loves ewan mcgregor but it's like um, Adam Driver, John Boyega, Daisy Ridley, um, they're they're all like these such such incredible like people off camera. Uh, Oscar Isaac, yeah, like I love them as like people and as actors, and they put in like so much heart into their characters, and I love their characters. Yeah, and they seem to have um, like a really good um, like a camaraderie on set and offset too. Absolutely, like, yeah. I just think it's the story, and the story is probably from like you know the studio being rushed into like. Uh, you know, making these choices, like yeah. you're saying, you know, f- forced to put movies out sooner, you know, and not going far enough. It's like, damn, I wish they just gave them, like, the the chance to actually be the characters that, you know, you see, like, bits and pieces of. Right. You see Finn being handed a lightsaber. You want it to see it go further. You know what I mean? You see Rey being, like, the last Jedi left. Like, you want to see it go further. Um, Kylo Ren's redemption is, like, at the very end of the last movie, which is, like, cool, because that's what happened with Darth Vader. Um yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just wanted to see him go further. And I think the funny thing is, like, everyone's talking about how Star Wars should be have its own like version of Marvel and everything. Yeah, and it's like maybe that's what's killing it. You know, maybe just let it do, like, let the creatives do what yeah. they want to do. You know, yeah. Instead of Disney trying to be like, we this works here, we're gonna try and force that same way. Yeah. On this other property we have, mm. I feel like they do that with that, and maybe some of. Like the live action movies they were doing, it's oh, just yeah. kind of it's like maybe that's just it's. And we I think we just talked about it. You know, if you have an art and you're trying to like get artists to, like if you're trying to force this thing on people, it doesn't really work that way. Yeah, you know? it's, no, it's totally got to like grow organically a bit, which I mean it's never gonna happen. When, oh, oh, so what t- is that time? Oh, I'm just wondering how do you oh. feel about time? Yeah, I mean I think this is fine <laughs> yeah so i think like, this is a good time i mean for the first episode this is a great first episode yeah i definitely feel like well now we got it actually working yeah <laughs> i'm excited to see how it uh how it uh cuts out yeah you know now it's just editing it and uh that's gonna be the hard <laughs> part especially because i don't like listening to my own voice so it's so meta us talking about editing this. i know <laughs> but yeah um so yeah this is the blue room uh definitely want to get more into dif- different uh, topics yeah absolutely uh maybe go to some uh i mean there's a lot of different ideas we have. we'll never run out yeah exactly. we'll never run it's idea factory in here <laughs> it's, it's an idea sun <laughs> we have we have a uh, fusion reactor of ideas yeah right here man just 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 like doc ock <laughs> so hopefully it doesn't blow up in our face oh my god i forgot he was working on a fusion reactor <laughs> great spider-man 2 great movie i loved that <laughs> as a kid Anyway, no. This is um, this was a fun 
episode and looking forward to future installments. Same here. And hopefully uh, you guys stick around and listen. Yeah. And uh, some, uh, tell your friends. Yeah, exactly. Some musicians. If you guys know somebody, like if it's a friend, well, always tell us first. So it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know. Hope we're all ears. All right. Thanks. Signing off. <laughs>